It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Paper. Austin, Texas Sports. The Horn. Woken up by now. Get him up. Go. It's two hours left. Three hours already in the books. So Ian Rod V on a Thursday morning. Getting you into a busy sports weekend. We always say the sports weekend starts on Thursday because you have NFL football tonight. Rangers and Astros will both take the day off. So if you're Ghost into the baseball pennant race, you can take the night off and watch some football. Browns and Eagles from Philadelphia. Not sure. You know, one of these... I got to think one of these three preseason games, you'll see the starters play a half, right, and, and get in there and try to get their. You don't want to. You don't want to come out for a regular season game and not have any have your first team players play together. I mean, I guess you could, but um, McVay used to do it when he first yeah, started coaching. Yes. but even he's changed that. He has changed it um, because, and you know this too, Rod. They do less and less, you know, full contact practices because of the CBA. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to line up plays of football and not be. And of course, you don't want to get anybody injured. You get that, but. Uh, we'll see if maybe the Browns or Eagles, you know, put some of their best guys out there. It appeared that uh, Deshaun Watson won't be starting for the Browns tonight. Uh, we got some some mm. intel from Matt Butler, your co-host on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. That it would be well, he does a lot of fantasy stuff, even for preseason. So he's uh, like looking at beat reporters and like doing some deep dives for preseason games about lineups. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, like no. daily fantasy. Yeah, like fantasy. Oh, daily yeah, like, fantasy. Okay, like fantasy football for the like preseason. Like, yeah, like a daily fantasy. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I got you. And he, you know, he, like I say, he's dialed in. He knows he's got to know the lineups. He got to know the teams to pick, but guys to pick. I like it. So this says Lupe Tortilla queso for the win. Oh, Lupe Whoa. Tortilla. Are we gonna have so a queso good. conversation now? Maddies or Matt's? So oh, easy. Listen. Okay, first, first of all, Torchy's queso is pretty damn good to me. Yeah, I like Torchy's. I'm a big Torchy's fan of the queso. It's, it's legit. Taco Deli? Uh, Chewy's has good queso. Taco Deli is good. Well, Chewy's, you also got the jalapeno ranch there, which is a game changer. Yeah, Chew- Yeah, no, you're right that. Chewy's yeah. legit on the queso. That's God, probably well, one of sad, our go-to I quesos. Sad to read over the weekend that one of the co-founders of that of Chewy's passed away. Oh, no. I, oh, over no. the weekend. Yeah. Sad. Very hey, sad. You know what? You created something. No, you helped create something that's long-lasting. That's that brought, brought a lot of people joy. Chewy's, that's, no question. That's, that, the, that's your purpose, baby. That group also owns Hula Hut, too, right? And they did. Other, they used they, to. They used to. Is, they also still, is it Shady still Grove. open? They also, oh, yeah. They, is it? Hula Hut is. I haven't been over there in so long. I had to ask. Because remember, every, over there, a lot of stuff closes down all the time over there. I right? went last weekend. It's, Hula's it's, the only thing that can stay open over there, actually, consistently. Well, and that's uh, my, my good buddy used to uh, Shady Grove. Which is right next to Hulut. No longer, it's now weeds, and they haven't built anything yet. But uh, he had to go out of business because of taxes in, yeah. in the city. My buddy Rusty. Now Rusty, he That's why he worked for uh, Chewy's growing, and was was working with that group as they grew like crazy. And he was helping to to open the restaurants, and uh, eventually he he bought the, the Shady Grove brand from them, and oh. he owned Shady Grove. Okay, I didn't know. And he oh, still wow. owns the brand. My buddy Russ. 
he still owns it now. Actually, they're opening up in Kyle now, uh, Shady Grove. Smart. So, but you know, taxes and it was oh, really an unfair oh, situation well, for him. And it's it's so sad now. When you grow, Shady Grove was where we'd always go, and you know, if the weather was nice, you go to Shady Grove for, you know, before. Um, going to see the, the the Christmas lights or to to oh, a yeah. festival or to mm-hmm. go into the park and we, but it's you know, a great location too right there. Oh man, and, and ta- taxes yeah. just taxed them out of, out of business and that's happened to a lot of small businesses. But Rusty's a great guy. But now you drive by and it's all weeds. It, I mean, it just looks it's an eyesore now. It's prime real estate. Prime too. real estate. <laughs> prime real estate. Apparently, there's a the deal in the works. Oh no, so condo? Please no condos. I think I'll be over there. Well, you won't believe this, but and this is true. And you could get Rusty on the show; he would tell you this. They were taxing him, the city and the county were taxing him on what, because remember, he had that great big parking lot. Yes, One of the advantages yeah. of Shoeys is that you had parking mm-hmm. available. They were taxing him on all of it. Of course, that's, that's his land. They were taxing him to the level that that land could make. Cause, cause oh, what it's worth, yes, not what. what. What actually should be the tax rate. Wow. Like they were taxing him to, like there's a condo right next door. And yeah. that, how much is that generated? And that's what we could be. I mean, it was a racket. Because they, I guess they're, they're they were trying to run them out. I guess okay, and then their case is that we're losing money essentially because yeah. you're here because yeah. what we could be making. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. And, and and he thought he had it licked because you know they did the uh, those the music series there at Shady Grove, the Thursday mm-hmm. night music, and uh, he was he, he was going to make enough money on that to pay the taxes because he would sell it's it out. Always to packed. Yeah, it was always packed too. And then COVID. Then COVID. COVID. Yes, yes, yes. Then COVID. This says Torchy's chips make the queso. Lupe Tortilla. By the way, if you go to Lupe Tortilla. The chips are crucial in the queso conversation. Did you know this? If you go during happy hour, they'll have you, they give you a little cup of queso for free. Oh, so well, your meal's only $85 at that point? Oh! Or you just eat chips and queso for come free. Come on, man. I'm trying to say about. Lupe's awesome, though. Lupe's awesome. Lupe's got some good queso. Also, um, good queso. Shout out to Vaqueros. He got some good queso, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of places around here. I guess Valentina's also some of my favorite I queso. I went to Vaqueros for only like the third time two weeks ago and for lunch. Good. That's a good lunch spot. It is. It's a it's a great spot, period. I'm a big Vaqueros fan. I love some of their, their fajita meat. It's some of the best oh, fajita meat prime. at any Tex-Mex spot. Love it. It's All right, amazing. so um, now I'm I hungry. looked it up. Thanks, guys. I'm hungry. 2009, Sandra Bullock won the Academy Award for her role as Leanne Tui in The Blind Side. Uh, she beat Helen Mirren for a movie called The Last Station, mm. Carrie Mulligan for a movie called An Education, Gabby Sidibe from Precious. Yeah, I remember that. And Meryl Streep for Julia and Julia. It's a week here. That was a weak year. I think you're right, Ty. That I don't know any year. of those other movies besides The Lion Side. Yeah, I think you're right. But I saw Precious, but Precious was depressing. I think I saw Julia and Julia, too, but it wasn't Meryl Streep's best performance. She's amazing, though. This says uh, Bob, Bob Armstrong's dip at Matt's El Rancho. Pretty good. That's good. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of friends who swear by that. Yeah, they swear by that. Yeah, somebody's talking trash on the text line. I told them those are fine words with me. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. What did they say? They disrespected uh, the Matt Sell Rancho? Matt Sell Rancho is overrated. If it wasn't for the environment, it would be mid. Bob Armstrong dip is trash. Oh, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about all that. Throwing hands. Now, is it overrated? Okay. I will say, I don't know if it's overrated, but I will say some people go there for the ambiance, not the food. I always leave there with a big smile. They go there because it's a scene. It's a Scene. Look, you're, uh, it, they go there to be seen, and it is a scene. Right. If you're a single man, you got to shake Matt, hands and kiss babies. Then. Yeah, if, no, you're, you're, if you're a single man, Matt Sarancho is a nice spot to go. <laughs> so I'm t- exactly. 
exactly. Like I've been like, oh, and I that see. Makes the I food see why better. everybody. Exactly. <laughs> I see why everybody wants to go to Matt's Rancho now. Now it makes sense. Well, and it's the place I'll wait to an be. Hour. Said why it. I'm waiting an hour? Because the the scenery is worth waiting for. It's all good. And yeah. the uh, the people are great. And of course, before or after a Texas football game, it's big. Oh, a it's baseball packed. game. Yeah, it's packed. It's, it's, no, it's the, good food. But, yeah, but I would agree that maybe a little overrated as far as the food, but the food's fine. The food's good. And it's hard yeah. to make great food when your place is that big. And that's a massive place. When you start running through all the, the, the rooms and tables that they serve. That's a top ten in America, like, net what they make on a year. Oh, it was sure. top ten in America I'm last sure. year. It's, it's huge. Because, I, I mean, I, I have to wait like an hour every time I try to it's go cool. there. cool. You, you get a drink at the bar. You yeah, see some is. people you know. No, right. You that's make say, some plans for later. That's why nobody minds wedding because they socialize yeah. while they wait. It's basically like you're a social event with, yeah, for an hour. Ty's sitting there hanging out with Cooper Manning and the Manning family. <laughs> you know? What's up? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know for a fact that they go to Matt's Hill Ranch. See, there you go. That's why everybody wants to go because anybody who's anybody is hanging out at Matt's Hill Rancho. Can we... Uh, before we get back into some sports talk, can we listen to Sandra Bullock and Peyton Manning on a skit that they did that now makes the blind side story oh, is out? No. Can we play that? Do you so, have that time? It's one of the things yeah, that not, didn't age well. Because, no, because it actually aged better. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and actually now, in retrospect, because of the new news, it's actually even better than it was before. I, it's aged classic And I believe timing. this was done when, when Peyton Manning hosted the ESPYs. I believe okay. is where this came no, from. Oh, this is SNL. Oh, this was Saturday Night Live. Oh, man. Peyton Manning's done such a great job. With He's got like three classic SNL skits. And apparently oh, no. this is when they they lured in. This was when Sandra Bullock was red hot with the Oscar and the blind side. This was uh, Peyton Manning and SNL's take on the movie. She liked to collect. Hey. Football players. Do you have any place to stay tonight? Yes, I have a place to stay. Don't you dare lie to me. Lady, I'm not lying. I'm Peyton Manning. I'm a couple of homes. because you're freaking me out. And now this quarterback. Oh, and Sean says all the pro athletes use futons if they can't find a bed big enough. But I got you something nicer. He's in a game of life and death. I've never had one before. What, a room to yourself? No, a crazy lady holding me against my will. <laughs> well, Starring Academy Award winner Sandra Bullock. Eli, this is serious. And four-time NFL MVP Peyton Manning. The crazy lady is holding me prisoner in her house. <laughs> Big Mike? She keeps calling me Big Mike. Stop laughing. It's not funny. Was she crazy about football or just crazy? It's another thing. You need to find out more about his past. He won't talk about it. He's like an onion. You have to peel him back a layer at a time. Not if you use a knife. <laughs> She wouldn't let anyone get in her way. Michael needs a B. What does he have to do to deserve that? First of all, his name's not Michael. He's very clearly NFL quarterback Peyton Manning. That would be him. And second of all, I can't give him a B because of how badly he's doing in class. Let me read you his essay about a tale of two cities. Help, please help me. Call the police. <laughs> I'm Peyton Manning, and I've been kidnapped by the lady from Speed. Well, that's it. We're sunk. We're sunk? No, you're sunk. Because, you see, I have contacted the authorities, and they are, oh, my God, you poisoned my coffee. See the film Archie Manning called Terrifying. Tony Dungy says it's spine-tingling. And Bill Belichick raves. It's hilarious. We want to know 
if you would like to become part of this family. There you go. That's young. great. I actually forgot all about that one. That's pretty good. The cool. lady from Speed. Yeah, so now Blindside <laughs> becomes like misery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice film. Nice reference. I like that. Mm-hmm. That was a creepy. That was a creepy oh. one. That was all time creepy right there. All time yeah. horror film. Oh, man. Misery. Um, Kathy Bates. She's yeah. Up, she's up there all time villain. No, that was. That was a creepy, weird movie. I actually came James on not Con. too long ago and I watched it. Oh, remember she breaks his, like. Oh, hobbled him. Like his knees with no, the, his ankles. the ankles. And she has, like, the, the board in between. Oh. It's called hobbling. It's, what, it's like a thing? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why you know that. <laughs> oh, because that's what she says in the movie. Oh, she, she, she says she, she it, she what, calls it? Yeah, because remember, he tried to escape. James Conn, the James Conn kid, tried to escape. So there you oh, go. Oh, man. There's a little Sandra Bullock, Peyton Manning, playing fun of the blind side. And now that's back in the news as we uh, get this thing cranking. Can we get a rant from Rod? we got to get a rant from Rod <laughs> because uh, here we are in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, Rod brings it on Longhorn Football and all topics that he's uh, percolating on and doing deep dive research. Let's get the rant. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to uh, the program. Time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Yesterday we brought up uh, Bruce Feldman's 100 top freaks, athletic freaks in college football. He has a list every year. Um, he goes to talk to different trainers around the, the country, strength and conditioning coaches, and he, po- he compiles a list of the top 100 freakish athletes in all of college football. We went over yesterday that Byron Murphy of the Longhorns had made the list, got him clocked at um, 18 miles per hour, and he's uh, the team leader in the front squat um, and he actually um, is one of the strongest guys on the team, um, but also freakishly athletic. In terms of his BGO, which is ball get off, he might have the best ball get off on the team, period. Uh, but Texas only has one player on this list. And I had someone bring to my attention, hey, Rod, why does Texas Tech and Cincinnati and TCU have three guys on the top 100 uh, physical freaks in college football list and Texas only have one? Uh, Baylor also has two on this list. Uh, U of H has one, BYU has one, uh, and Texas has one. And, you know, the guys on the list, uh, BYU's uh, offensive lineman Kingsley Suomataya is the top Big 12 player on the list. And the Big 12 is pretty well represented. But Texas actually only with one player. Oklahoma with zero players on this list. Um, but you see schools like Tech and TCU and Cincinnati with three guys on the list. And my theory as to why this is the case um, and just to give you the guys really quickly to run down them, uh, number 16 is Cincinnati D-tackle Dante Corleone, which is a co- really cool name. Uh, 18 Dante is, Corleone. Is a really a great name. Um, and Texas defensive tackle Byron Murphy is 18. 29, Texas Tech DB Tyler Owens, who used to be uh, a Texas uh, uh, player. Um, Texas Tech's defensive lineman Miles Cole is at 35. Baylor wide receiver Monterey Baldwin at 42. Baylor defensive lineman Gabe Hall at 45. Uh, TCU wide receiver Savion Williams at 55. TCU offensive lineman Brandon Coleman at 61. Texas Tech defense lineman Jalen Hutchings at 63. 77 is TCU's linebacker Shad Banks Jr. 78 Cincinnati defensive lineman Joan Briggs. And 93 Cincinnati linebacker Deshaun Pace. And 97 Houston defensive lineman Chidozi uh, Nwankwo. Uh, so in case a Longhorn fan, even an Oklahoma fan, 
wants to know why they are not uh, why they're they're not more represented on this list of the top physical freaks in college football. I think it's a really simple explanation, at least my theory is, is that some of these other schools like Tech, like Baylor, and like Cincinnati, they have, uh, and TCU is in this conversation too, instead of recruiting a lot of the ready-made prospects already, guys who have already been evaluated thoroughly to be blue chips, four- and five-star recruits, which they could. They win their they win their, own, their fair share of those guys, of course, um, but if you're getting into recruiting battles with Texas and Oklahoma for those blue chip recruits, more often times than not, not often every time, but most of the time you're going to lose that battle. All right, out to Texas and Oklahoma, and these schools they know that if they have build their recruiting blueprint and try to with every top blue chip recruit go into a a you know a face off and and a competition against Texas and Oklahoma, and instead of you know, fighting that losing battle over and over again, a lot of these schools have decided to uh, go with the the theory of recruiting elite traits on a player, just an elite trait. Instead of a, a recruiting an elite skill set overall, they'll just recruit a player who's really fast. He may not be a blue chip. He may just be a one star, a two star. He may have no stars, but he's got world class speed. And they will they will bring in the player with world class speed, and then they will build and construct the skill set themselves for him to become a well rounded overall player. And that player can reach a ceiling close to the blue chip ceiling that Texas and Oklahoma are recruiting. Except you have to do all the hard work of developing that skill set. You got to fill in all the blanks all right, with that skill set. And if you can do that and develop that prospect, then what happened to Baylor in 2022 uh, will probably be the result. They had the seventh most players drafted in uh, 2022 among all the schools uh, in uh, the FBS. And they pretty much set records or damn near set records at the combine for being the, the team that had the, the most guys who, who clocked at under 4.36. They had JT Woods, who was a 4.36. He was the 10th fastest time at the Combine that year. Uh, Kalen Bournes was a cornerback. He had the fastest time at the Combine that year. Almost broke John Ross's record of 4.22 at a 4.23. Wide receiver Tyquan Thornton had a 4.28 uh, in the 40-yard dash. They were both in the top three. They were first and third fastest 40-yard dash times at the combine, and everybody went to Matt Rule and looked at Matt Rule and was like, hey, Matt Rule, what? how'd you do this? And Matt Rule said, well, essentially, it, he, this is the way he says his quote from Baylor when he was at Baylor. He said, if they take, and they is Texas and Oklahoma, if they take a top 50 recruit, I need to take someone who isn't as highly recruited. So I better take somebody with these skills and develop them. When a player, uh, you know, when, I, when, when player after player left Temple for the NFL, they could all run. They were all big. It made sense taking that approach to survive at Temple. When we came to Baylor, we could get better recruits, but we said, hey, let's keep the same approach. It's working well for us. It's starting to pay dividends. Evan Cooper, who was Baylor's recruiting coordinator at the time, his quote was, I feel like we might value numbers just as much as tape. He said, we're a big believer in development. Sometimes you get kids who are maxed out, whose ceiling might not be as high. We take the approach of what they'll look like in five years. If he has the requisite speed, size, and strength, we feel like we can turn them into good football players. In recruiting, our motto was, in recruiting, you miss. 
you're going to miss. So we figure if you're going to miss, miss fast. Yep. Miss with speed or miss with size or miss with some trait that God can provide that no other coach can provide unless Indeed. that coach is Jesus Christ. And then you can build the skill set. Uh, develop that skill set to be a well-rounded skill set. And like I said, the ceiling will be just as high as the blue chip. It's just a lot more hard work to get that player to that point. And uh, Baylor has taken that model, and Baylor with Matt Rowe did really good. And he did that Temple, too. Yeah, uh, I mentioned Gary Patterson was great at that, Gary too. Gary Patterson's great at So you building that. Uh, Joey McGuire is doing it now at Texas Tech. Joey, yeah, I'm Joey McGuire. Well, and, and your Kalen Barnes mentioned, you know, he's the cornerback who was out of Silsby, Texas, and he was like a two- or three-star recruit, but he was mm-hmm. a track and field star. Yep. I mean, he in 2017 and 2018, he won both the 100 meters and the 200 meters at the track and field. He was more of a track guy than a football player. He was playing football at Silsby, but Baylor recruited him, brought him in, and, you know, he, he developed to such an extent he got drafted in the seventh round. Because he ran like a four two and a half at the combine. He ran a four two three or some some crazy number. <laughs> just, it says here Taekwon Thornton. Now Ta- Taekwon Thornton was was a pretty. He's out of Miami and he was a pretty big recruit. He, he mm-hmm. chose Baylor over Florida, but he went to the combine and ran four two one, four two one. Yeah, Come no, on, these, they accept these. They they really did shock everyone at the combine. I think that was twenty twenty two when they had so many guys run elite times. And it goes back to Matt Rule's theory that Matt Rule's like, I can't recruit uh, well, ready-made players who are who are who have a really high ceiling as blue chip recruits. I gotta recruit uh, blue chip traits, and that's what he looks for: size, speed. That's what he's looking for, and it's worked out. And two, from 2006 to 2012, Temple uh, basically played uh, Penn State every season because Matt Rule basically came up with this. Theory, because he wanted to compete with the big dogs in his conferences, and his first big dog when he was at Temple was Penn State, and um, he was a he was a, he was an assistant at Temple at the time, I believe, and basically they endured all these losses to Penn State. They were just getting whipped year after year. He went to the NFL in 2012, and then came back to be the head coach at Temple in 2013. And he said that's when he started constructing this theory. How are we ever going to compete with Penn State if they automatically get the first pick over us? And rule meant in recruiting, where even mired in scandal, the Nittany Lions, they recruited at a really, really high level. And then he went to Temple, and then the rest is history because he turned that program around um, into a double-digit win program and did the same thing at Baylor, and he used this exact blueprint. I mean, you talk about the Isles won 10 games at Temple. Nobody wins 10 games at Temple. I haven't said <laughs> Stan Drayton's <laughs> trying to do it, too. It, 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 it's, it really tough for them well, to do. And, it's, it's, and he was able to do it, and he did it with that blueprint. And it's good evaluation. And, it's, it, you know, the other thing he did at Baylor is he hired three high school coaches onto his first staff immediately, including Joey McGuire. Including Joey McGuire, who saw that blueprint right. and is using it. Right, and understood <laughs> how to find the diamonds in the rough in the state. Of, I mean, there's so many great players in the state of Texas, places like Silsby, Texas, where – you know, and people will then say, well, why doesn't Texas do that? The, the, the coach that gets to Texas start, rec- starts recruiting unknown three-stars is not going to be the coach of Texas for very long. No, you can't do that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah. May, it might be a good strategy. You just know at Texas, the, the expectations to recruit four- and five-star players, yep. best players in Texas, and maybe some of those guys are maxed out. You can afford to do it with one or two guys in your class, but you can't do it with an entire class. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you start recruiting unheard-of three-stars. It's like, who is this coach we've hired? Yep. Uh, we're Texas. You're and right. Look, that, that, you know. Texas has a huge budget, and they shouldn't be recruiting those. They should they don't be have recruiting to. the best players that's, in the That's country. working harder. 
instead of working smarter. Texas can just work smarter and but go get ready-made prospects. There's an idea that what, it is smart to recruit guys whose ceilings have not been reached yet. Sometimes guys in high school, that is as good as they're going to be. They're maxed out. Uh, you're looking for that. But, again, Texas is always in A&M. They're going to recruit the best players uh, in high school football. All right, well, good stuff right there on Rod's Rant. We'll come back. Speaking of Texas, number 12 in our countdown to number one. We'll dive in and get a, uh, an eyewitness account. We'll see your Joel Klatt's thoughts. Joel Klatt. Uh, talking about UT, his big picture preview on the horns. We'll also give some of our thoughts as uh, number 12 in the country coming back. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber, Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. Yeah, if you're looking for that uh, list of 100 freaks in college football that Rod was referencing there, it's uh, at theathletic.com. And uh, Marvin Harrison, Jr., number two, and a true freshman at South Carolina. And, uh, I think I can't remember how to is say it, his is name. It, is it Nicholas or is it Nicholas? Nicholas Harbour Nicholas? at South Carolina. Nicholas. You can find that. And uh, Bruce Feldman says he, he expanded. It used to be 10 freaks when he first started that 20 years ago. Now it's uh, much bigger. He's expanded it to, to cover all of college football beyond mm-hmm. the FBS with submissions from schools, coaches, teammates, parents, scouts from the NFL, and agents. So, And the agents is big because they're going to want to get their name out there. I was going to say, guys yeah. name out there. well, because now the agents can actually work as representatives in the NIL world mm-hmm. for these guys. And then when they become professionals, they can just transition right over into actually being an agent for them. An agent. Well, if you've been with us and we appreciate you being there, we have uh, counted down. And we are continuing to count down the top 20 teams in college football. It's the Ian Rod B. Horn Top 20 Countdown. Uh, we're at number 12, and we're getting really close to home now, Rod. Number 12 in the countdown is another team from That's the right. Big 12 Conference. Hit it. All right, Rod B. Horns at number 12. We know that they are uh, pretty loaded at every position. Not a lot of question marks on this football team. Heard you say earlier behind the burn orange curtain that after hearing Jaron Thompson's sound this morning, you're feeling more and more confident that this defense can go from the improvements of last year and make an even further step towards being one of those great defenses that, that help you win football games. That's the hope because, you know, you did lose DeMarvion Overshone, damn good player, lost more Ojimo, Keandre Coburn. So you lost some Deshaun Jameson. You lost some crucial pieces. But from what I've heard, also you're bringing back some crucial pieces. Uh, from what I've heard, you know, this team in the offseason, they're saying the right things. Jalen Ford, uh, some of the leaders like Jaron Thompson, um, Quinn Ewers too, you can tell that they have really invested in trying to improve their football IQ and their football acumen. I think it goes back to something you talked about that Sark is emphasizing, which is being at their best in critical moments. Yeah. Critical moments. We need to be playing our best football, situational football. We have to master that. And the key to mastering situational football is to be able to think your way through it. Is your football IQ. That's the key to situational football is that awareness. And I think all these guys are trying to work on, work on their overall football awareness. And I, I'm hearing that, and I love it because I remember as a player taking my game to the next level, doing the exact same thing, you know, staying in the film study, having think take sessions with my teammates about how I can get better. How, if they beat me on a play, why they beat me, how they beat me, how they're trying to manipulate the defense, exchanging those ideas. I'm hearing a lot of that. It's just hearing right now. I'm just hearing it. Uh, but, 
like I said, as a former player myself who, who was in that locker room at Texas, I took I took that ascent to the next level because of the football IQ uh, improving drastically for me with you know having Coach Aquino and then taking it seriously. And I think I hear that happening with these guys too. On both um, sides of the And ball. having covered your teams, and I remember when you were recruited to Texas. I mean, this this program is in a similar place than it was when you you got when you were playing there. Uh, it feels like it's going in a good direction. Mac Brown was stacking good recruiting classes. Mm-hmm. He was keeping the coaching continuity. His staff was maintaining, and you know, you know, good players lead to good football. And then when there when there's coaching continuity and the message stays the same, and the player can just you know. And the player it becomes a more of a player-led thing. I I mentioned earlier that yesterday we dropped the new Eyes on Texas multicast that I do uh, that you can find on YouTube at the Horns YouTube channel and at uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football's YouTube channel and on Spotify and iTunes called the Eyes on Texas. And that's all things Texas football. Last mm. week, or in our episode this week, we had Diamante Tucker Dorsey in the house. And Tuck. he came in and played on this team last year, one year after five years at James Madison, came in through the transfer portal. And I asked him, I said, is it, is it okay? You've been to practice. You've been around these guys. You're still talking to your teammates. Is it okay to say that it's absolutely the goal to win the Big 12 championship? And, and Tuck stopped me and said, no, 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 no. It's not a goal. It's the expectation. Mm-hmm. It's the expectation. Um, no goals. It's, it's, how, it's what they expect to have happen. And, again, those are, that's talk. We're in the talking season. Uh, but, man, you know, these guys, and it seems like position by position, they're challenging one another at every mm-hmm. spot. And you know, look, and to, to compare it to your teams in, in the early two thousands, Ron, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to make some bad throws this year. Yeah. Quinn Ewers is going to throw some interceptions. It's going to happen, and, and people are going to throw things um, <laughs> because it's still a building program, and they're going to make some mistakes. But I, I think we're going to see fewer and fewer. I mean, last year the four losses were all winnable ball games, uh, right there. If you execute to the elite level in the critical moments, they beat Texas Tech. They probably beat Oklahoma State. Uh, they didn't. They got out executed. And outperformed in the critical moments of football games. TCU uh, was another one, and and so that's what you have to clean up. And if you can, you know, the next step is right there. And now you're looking at a ten and two kind of team, which is which is a good step forward. A double digit win mm-hmm. squad. Can we hear from Joel Klatt from Fox TV? He uh, is doing a great job. Of course, one of the he's the lead uh, color analyst on their big noon kickoff game every week. Joel Klatt gave his opinion of the Longhorns. We have at number twelve. Is this finally the year? that Texas wins the Big 12. Do you know why I'm pausing right now? Because I feel like we're breaking the rules. The rules have been we're not talking about Texas unless they do something. That's the rules. I don't know what to tell you. And we're breaking the rules because the question is about Texas. Why is the question about Texas? They got the best roster in the Big 12. The question is about Texas because they're the best team in the Big 12. Stop me if you've heard that before in the last decade. I'm starting to get fed up with Texas before the season. And I like Sark. I like Quinn Ewers. I like this team. Ten starters back on offense should be dynamic in that respect. They were a pretty good defense last year. They just didn't win tight ballgames. If they can fix that, which they should, through experience, making those plays when they need to, they'll land in the Big 12 championship game. Best rosters usually win championship games. They should win the Big 12 championship. They should. Their roster suggests that they're the best team in the conference and that they should compete for a playoff spot. But guess what? They're still Texas. They're still Texas. I don't. And by the way, I've been a bit of a cheerleader for Texas. 
And that's why I'm so upset even before they play a game. Like, <laughs> perpetually underachieving this team. There you go. Breaking the rules, talking about mm. them before they do something. Uh, but I, is, that, is that a fair – I mean, that's the national sentiment. That's the national narrative. People are going to say you – know, you know, you see the AP poll, the coaches poll. There's Texas again up there ranked in the top 12. Hmm. Uh, they'll underachieve. Is this the year they break that and break through that and become a team that plays in the double-digit win category and plays for, for big things like Big 12 championships? The, one of the best bets in college football the last 13 years has been the under on Texas. Oh, yeah. Over-under win totals. Since 2010, Texas has gone under its preseason win total 12 of the last 13 years. And I talked to Lohan fans about this. Everybody knows I love Texas. I, I bleed orange, all right? It's, it's in my blood. I sweat for that brand and bled for that brand. And the reason Texas, part of the reason, one of the reasons that Texas is so, you know, hated and uh, there is so much vitriol for Texas uh, nationally is because they are an underachieving program. Football-wise, because they do have the resources, they do have all the talent, and yet they very rarely maximize those advantages and translate them into wins. There's always some excuse. There's always some reason why it didn't happen. Uh, but the truth is, everybody, every other program deals with the same issues, <laughs> and they have fewer advantages than Texas, but yet Texas cannot translate those advantages into wins, simply wins. And that's why Texas is mocked. It's like, yeah, you do have all the advantages. You do have all the money. You printed over there. What did Ray McComb say? Texas has more money than anybody except the Catholic Church. He's not wrong. They got a lot of money over there. All right? A lot of advantages. And a lot of the players, they want to play at Texas. Even when Texas is down, they still recruit like gangbusters. Charlie Strong, the program was down, still recruiting like gangbusters. And people love the city of Austin. Out of all the cities in the country, there are probably only three or four college cities, college towns, that are on par with Austin, Texas. We've got all these advantages, and yet you cannot even meet or exceed the over-under win total prize that year. That's why Texas is disliked nationally. And also, they hate us because they ain't us. A lot of people just want to be Texas. But that's why that underachieving narrative, they cannot escape it right now. The only way to do it is to win. Shut them up. And, and make it the expectation, as Tuck said. And that's. And I'll say this again: having covered your teams and through the the highest of highs, and now this this twelve or thirteen years of mediocrity, the the one consistent I can tell you, Rod, that Mac Brown at the end of his tenure didn't have what Charlie Strong never had, what Tom Herman never had, coaching staff continuity. Look it up. Every single Mac Brown at the end, after mm-hmm. he had to fire all his coaches after the the uh, five and seven season in twenty ten. He, ne- he never had coaching continuity. He ran through offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Uh, Charlie Strong had three different OCs in three years while he was here. Tom Herman brought his staff from Houston, and that wasn't good enough, and he had to make big changes. He had a different co- diff- defensive coordinator every year while he was at Texas after Todd Orlando was gone. This staff has stayed together, and I do think when you ask the question, why can this year's team be different, I think that's a huge component for me. The, the, the staff has stayed together, so you hear Sark saying, this sounds like my team. This sounds like what we talk about in coaches' meetings is what the players are sounding like mm-hmm. because it's been the same message for three years, especially on the defensive side of the ball and only a couple of minor changes on the offensive side of the ball. The staff has stayed together, and they've recruited to the mindset. Big humans, speed on the outside, quarterback. And much like an NFL program, w- w- the other thing that they've done is recruit to an elite level at the most important positions on football. What do we, you know, we talk to NFL general managers when you're building a team. What are your, you're looking at quarterback, left tackle, uh, you know, 
D, D tackle and pass and, rusher, pass rusher and corner. Mm-hmm. Getting Colin Simmons this year changes that because mm-hmm. you could say, well, they haven't recruited an elite pass rusher. But gosh, think about it. I was reading a story yesterday that Hudson Card is having a great camp at Purdue. Hudson Card's a good player. Yes, he is. But you're not going to miss him at Texas because mm-hmm. they've recruited the quarterback position very, very well. And you have Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning and Malik Murphy. That's the only because I've been here. I've been you know. Drink, you know, trying to sell the Kool Aid, or at least, man, I'd love to drink the Kool Aid with Texas. But like last year was tough because you knew you had a very young offensive line and a young quarterback. That was going to lead to some mistakes, even though you had Bijan and Roshan. That was going to lead to, you know, some 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 growing pains. But this is a team that, for the first time since since you were at Texas, and for Mac Brown's ten year run, where you really look at it and say, you know what, this team checks all the boxes, and now they just have to go do it. They don't have a glaring hole to to Klatt's points. They do have the best roster in the Big 12. That's the other thing. They're not in the in a gauntlet of a conference like the Big 10 and the Pac and the Big 12. Not the yet. SEC should be not till this next year. year. <laughs> yeah, not and till if you year. can't do it this year, questions will be asked. And that is a very very fair question. I'd also say this that, that people say like you just said that Tom Herman and and Charlie Strong recruited like gang gangbusters. Well, I would I would agree they recruited really good players but neither recruited the offensive line like Sark is doing right now. Neither recruited well, offensive line. Not just Sark. Linemen. Let's give props to the BMDs and the big money boosters oh, yeah, and donors sure. and the Pancake Factory. Helps. Trust me. I, I, I'm not saying Kyle Flood and Sark can do a good job recruiting, but they would not be getting these types of offensive linemen without the Pancake Factory. Sure. 50 Gs a year. So shout out to Horns with Heart. Hey. They're doing a good job. Evolve or get get passed up, and if yeah. you're gonna take advantage of it, take advantage of it. But either way, uh, when they start playing football games on Saturdays, no one cares about the NIL. But at that point, it's winning games. Yep. And whatever got him here, uh, Charlie Strong didn't recruit well on the offensive line. If you I mean again, the Longhorns haven't had a first you know offensive lineman drafted in forever. Sam Cosme, the last one. I mean, and he was the one, the f- first one in a long time um, that, that that has been into the NFL. He wasn't a blue chip either. They haven't had a blue chip offensive lineman draft in a, in a really long well, time. And we'll actually. see. I mean, this team could fall short, and it's at that point, strong, but I just don't see a lot of reasons why they, they should, unless there's just a, a rash of injuries at a critical position or whatever. But if they, even that, that, it's all gas, no excuses. There is not an excuse this year for the Longhorns not to be in Arlington on December 2nd and playing to win the Big 12 championship. No, I, there I, isn't I, one. I, I, there isn't a, an acceptable one, but I do think that one thing that probably could hold me back, it'll, it'll come down to Sark. Yeah, I agree. It's, that's, that would be the – if Texas is not considered the best team in the Big 12, all the criticism will go towards Sark. And I said this weeks ago, and I believe it more now, this year will be kind of the ultimate um, legacy-determining season for Sark. I'm not talking about all the time, but it, there are a lot of people that are Sark haters and there are Sark enthusiasts, um, and the Sark haters – They'll get all of the ammunition they need, right, to prove their point this season. But also the Sark enthusiasts, I say, I think will also they'll get all the the material they need to prove their point. This is the year that I think each side will either be prove their point, you know, but beyond a shadow of a reasonable doubt in the court of public public court of public opinion, excuse me, about Steve Sarkeesian, whether he is a championship caliber coach or he's just a slightly above average coach who'll never no question be a championship that. level coach. Well, and and you know, next year they're into the SEC. And if you can't win the Big 12 this year as the favorite with all the pieces you have, then yeah, fair questions will be asked at that point. Uh, fair questions will be asked uh, of Steve Sarkeesian because you know the level of competition is going to ratchet up even that much greater next year. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other side is true too to your point about the the, the enthusiasts of Sark. If they win it, oh 
he earns some grace period when he gets to the SEC, that it's not going to be you better win the SEC in year one when you get there, uh, not that you're going to get there and get, get your head kicked in. Same time, if you win a championship this year, you go in with some momentum, you mm-hmm. built this roster, the key positions as we've talked about, you know, that offensive line will be a year better next year. Uh, defensive totally line, they're agree. recruiting really well. That's a line of scrimmage league. So, again, huge year. No, no question. This is one of those pivotal. And it was go back to, to Tom Herman when, when he was going into his you know, pivotal, uh, important year when he had Major uh, Sam Ellinger as a senior. After 2018, 2019, yeah. yeah. That was supposed to be the year. That was supposed to be the year. Yeah. And it didn't happen. <laughs> yep. And it didn't happen. And they underachieved. And that was the kind of the beginning of the end of Tom Herman. And, you know. This is this place will grind you up if you don't achieve when you have a team like this. But it does remind me a lot more of the Mac Brown building years than either Charlie Strong or Tom Herman. Mac Brown was on a linear like he was on a linear path where his teams did get better each year. Like we won, I think nine games my first yeah. two years. Then we won eleven games that, yep. and after that, the other group came in. They won double digits, but then the crescendo with oh four and oh five with Tom Herman, he didn't have that linear progression. Remember he had the 2018 season and then 2019 he felt, you know, they, they regressed. And Longhorn fans do not want to see that. And that's why for Sark this year is big. That cannot be regression because regression will be seen as basically, I think it'll be perceived as an indictment on Sark that he is not the coach for te- to, to take Texas to the promised land. And you solid, it'll solidify whichever side of that opinion you're on and uh, Sark has a chance to change that narrative. You're right. Uh, all right, it. we'll come back. Because if they were to win the Big 12, he would be seen as a championship-level you know, championship coach. coach. And you know what they'll say? Hey, how do you guys not see this? At USC, his teams got better every year until he had to battle some demons, which we all have. At Washington, his teams got better every year until he left to take a better job. And at Texas, team got better every year, and he won a championship. How do you idiots not see that he was a championship-caliber coach that was well on his way to, uh, to, to accomplishing those goals before he got derailed and sidetracked but if he doesn't win a championship this year and he's the best in the 12 all the sarcasters will go yeah it was so obvious that he was never a championship caliber coach he never won double digit games he had never competed for a championship why the hell did you longhorn fans believe he was all of a sudden gonna come to texas and grow wings and become a different coach all of a sudden he is what he is guys yeah, coming back. Both sides. We go. Uh, <laughs> who said that? And uh, then a very special guest will join our show to start the ten o'clock hour. Excited to talk some football with a, a lifetime Longhorn and one of the legendary high school coaches in the history of the state of Texas. That'll be coming up after the top of the hour. First, though, we play a little round of who said that. Aaron Hogan. You just gotta keep living, man. Rod Babers. L I V I N. E and Rod B on the horn. Ooh, Aaron. Who said that? Who said that? Uh, sorry about that. Who I was reading that? this because we were talking about uh, Texas with all the advantages. How about this, Rod? Cumulative total athletic revenue from 2003 through 2021, oh. according to the EADA. Straight cash, homie. $2 billion plus club in total athletic revenue. Texas, $2.99 billion. Top of the list? $2.99 <laughs> billion. Exactly. Followed uh, by Ohio State at $2.85 billion. Alabama, $2.52 billion. Michigan, Florida, Oklahoma. So Texas at $2.99 billion. And have, uh, and how long have those other teams right behind Texas gone without a conference championship? Because Texas now is in the longest streak without a conference championship, I believe, in Texas football history. Yeah, Florida would be the only one close um, because as far as that, that barometer because Florida hasn't won a SEC in a while. But they've been Probably better. the same than, year. Uh, right, 2009? 2000, well, 
You might be right about might that. Right. I, I, I got to go back and look. But that's kind of my point is like Texas, out of all those schools who are making a lot of straight cash homie, generating a lot of revenue and have lots of advantages, I don't know if any of them have underachieved to the point that Texas has, well, considering what is, how what advantages you have, which are a lot. The EADA is a lot. Uh, the equity and athletics yeah. group. Uh, yeah. And an and, and argument will be made that NIL will help Texas even more. Sure. Because now you removed a lot of the restrictions and the kind of the rigidity of the old amateurism model. And now Texas, the money from Texas can actually flow directly to the athletic program when you had to have all these different, you know, uh, the, kind of these different fail-safes, bureaucratic red tape in place before with the NCAA now. The money can go right from the boosters, the BMDs, right to the players, right to NIL, the players. Baby. Yeah. The Texas won fun. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, what, do we have in, what do you have for me in uh, Who Said That? Uh, okay, uh, Who Said That? I got a couple of clips here from Who Said That. Uh, the first one, Ty, let's get to the um, these predictions that are made. We start talking about the, the Longhorn, the Kool-Aid everybody's drinking, the burnt orange Kool-Aid. Well, it looks like here locally, we're not the only ones drinking that burnt orange Kool-Aid. Some of these uh, national college football analysts are doing the same. The more football changes, the more it stays mm. the same. I got chalk, baby. Put a lot of stake and chips in on teams that are starting new quarterbacks, especially Alabama. But I think this is what we're going to get. Yes, it's boring. That's why we need to shake things up. Mm-hmm. Mm. SEC and Big Ten. All right, BJ. All right. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always gotten. And I've always got a team in there that doesn't live up to the hype. But I'm going with Georgia, <laughs> Michigan, SC. And that's right, baby. Texas is back. You heard it here first. They are officially back. Sark is recruited well. The dudes are on campus in that locker room. It's up to that staff and Coach Sark to make them right. Wow. There you go. I, I, I know who that is. I mean, worked yeah, with him for a long you know time. That I'll is. never forget yeah, the voice of one Brian Jones. <laughs> uh, actually, and Brian Jones and the other guy that I was we were going to play in that cut is Danny Cannell. They both picked Texas to make their college football playoff final four. Wow. I don't know if I'm, I'm going 10 and 2. Danny and Cannell and yeah, Brian Jones both picked him. Big 12 champs. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, well that would be uh, quite a run for Steve Sarkeesian. That's his expectation. They want to mm-hmm. win all the games. Uh, can I play this for you? See if you can determine who this is. Give it to uh, me. Uh, yesterday. Uh, give me the last one, Ty. Give me the one I just sent you. Are you done? We're done. I mean, we had a vision when I came on board. And when we thought about expansion, it was about getting into a port time zone. It was about potentially um, heading west. And thankfully, we realized what effectively was the dream scenario uh, about a week ago when the four corner schools, Colorado being the first, all agreed to join the Big 12. You know, I is. know that is. Brett Yarbrough, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're done. Oh, We're man. done because there had been For talks now. with Gonzaga and uh, UConn. And, uh, but but uh, even I was told, and we said this to you on the show, that if they landed the Four Corners schools, the UConn-Gonzaga thing wasn't going to happen. Uh, the, that, was the, that was plan B. You know, mm-hmm. even... Because if Colorado was going to be the only of the four corner schools to come, then they were going to pivot and probably go to UConn and, and try oh, to bring you basket, try to be yes. uh, monopolize the basketball because they, market. They wanted an even number, so they wanted to be at fourteen by next year. And instead, as Brett Yormark just said, the the four corner schools all came, so that was the best case scenario. We don't need to do any more at this point. Uh, but you know that was on a podcast that Brett Yormark was on, and he was clear that you know they're done. They're done for now. They're good at sixteen. 
I also had heard some rumblings that maybe the Big 12 was going to change their name, like a rebrand, which would be a Brett Yormark mindset, mm. that they were going to go something, go to the Big 16, or just to yeah, yeah. fresh start with yeah. Texas and Oklahoma leaving, which would make some sense. But I was told that uh, the new four schools that have come in, they, they want, want that brand. It. They want the Big 12. They want something that already has some credibility. Are, are some built yeah, they're up. moving to be yeah. in, a, in, a, in the Big yeah. 12 because they're moving up from the group yeah. of five, and they want that to be yes. able to recruit on. And so, but maybe in time. A maybe. brand that uh, the recruits already know, that's established, the yes. Big 12. The Big 12, Considered yes. a power five. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, Houston wants to be able to say, Cincinnati. Hey, we're in the Big 12. <laughs> Cincinnati, we're in the Big 12. Yeah. We're in a power four conference now. Yeah, so don't do it now. Maybe, Brett, maybe wait a few years. Maybe few wait years. a couple of years while we get this thing established and, and you then know, change Brett, it. you know, Brett Yormark, the vision. He's already he, got a name ready. He would like to rebrand it. Yes, and, he would. Because the Big 12 means Texas and Oklahoma. They're not going to be there anymore. And do you do you, do you think about recalibrating that? But not now, I was told. Not now. That's a good point, though. I, I see why they want that, uh, that, like I said, the credibility of the Big 12 right now, considering the, you know, the, uh, how unstable everything is right now. That's a, probably a good thing you want to have. Uh, all right, we got time for one more. One we more. Done? Give it we to me. One more? Who said that? Uh, okay, one more here. This is a uh, coach. and he's. I want to say, I, I want to also challenge you to figure out what player he's talking about. Okay, here we go. All right, so here Whew. Um I, t- I tell you, I mean, obviously you hear all the things you know, about his character and, and work ethic and, and so forth. I, I think the most important thing is is just how consistent he is with it. I mean, he is as a consistent as an individual, both, both personally and professionally. Um, and I, I think it goes a long, long way in the development of group ni- dynamics in holding that leadership position because you know what you get from Dak every day. You know, and hey, he's human. He has he has bad days too. So, but he brings it every single day at an extremely, consistently high level. I mean, if you just something as simple as his GPS, I mean, he's 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 off the charts every single day. So, he brings it all the time, and and I really appreciate that because your quarterback, and I've been so blessed to be around great ones. They 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 really affect your practice structure the culture more than any other position so when that quarterback's bringing it in every day your team periods are super competitive everything's competitive all right, all right. you definitely know who he's talking about who I, is that i know that heavy breathing anywhere <laughs> big mac that is big mac the heavy breathing <laughs> mike mccarthy <laughs> about, really good. He's talking about zach he's talking about Dak or zach zach martin Dak. he's talking about Dak. He's talking about Dak. Good point. It could have been Zach because he did act. he said it real quick he's talking about Dak. he's talking about Dak is quarterback and how consistent Dak is all right, it's a good thing. I've got my Dak. You've got yours. You don't think Dak's consistent? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> consistently <laughs> bad. Consistently bad against <laughs> Come the, on. In the playoff. Come uh, on. By the way, on that, uh, who said that? Brett Yormark also gave credit to Bob Bowlesby, saying of that he Bowlesby did. had not gone after BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston and Central Florida before he got on the job. Then uh, they wouldn't have been able to go after ESPN and Fox and get that deal done. Okay. Both be getting props. Hey, we come back. We're going to talk some football. It's uh, training camp time. Who better to talk ball than uh, Todd Dodge, legendary high school football coach, Westlake, and, of course, a lifetime Longhorn. We'll see how Todd is doing these days. Catch up and talk a little football with uh, the lifetime Longhorn. Coming back. Hey, it's Aaron Hogan. Make sure you're locked in every morning. Boston's only live local sports conversation, 